0: Connor, hi Albert, how are hi. you? I think. You? You're the... Thank you. How are you? I think you're in the landscape.
1: Oh, should I put it? Yeah. Better. Yeah, that's brilliant. How are you? All good. All good. Thank you very much for for inviting me to this podcast series you are starting. Yeah, of
0: course, no problems. I suppose for everyone that's watching, and first of all, thank you for joining in, also. Um, This podcast is the very first episode of The Lowdown, a podcast that will be exploring more and more kind of the insights into the football industry, um, of which Albert is our first guest today. Um, Long-time friend, long-time Barcelona socio, senior account executive at Fuse as well, so I think Albert will be a pretty good start to the podcast. Uh, We're here today to discuss all things Barcelona, Albert's love for the club, their season to date. The preview of the upcoming PSG clash in the Champions League, the upcoming presidential elections in March, and also the club's finances and the future of Lionel Messi. So Albert, if you don't mind starting, just to give the audience a brief description of yourself, your background and your love for Barcelona.
1: Sure. So yeah, I was born in Barcelona in uh, 1992, the, the year Barcelona won the the first uh, Champions League it wasn't even called Champions League back then it was the year after that it started to be it was renamed and yeah I was actually born on a, a day of El Clásico where Barcelona beat Real Madrid and I'm the son of uh, two families both from my mom and my my dad's side they are very big Barca fans Uh so I think it's uh, in my blood. I would say that becoming a Barca fan, and actually, uh, the day after being born, um, I was registered as a Barca member. So, even if before I could speak or I could uh, walk, I I was a Barca member. So I didn't really have any choice, but I was very very happy to with the decisions with the decision my, my parents took for me. And yeah, I, I'm a law graduate and actually I qualified lawyer in Spain. Um, And then just before completing my, my qualifications, I moved to London to, to study a degree in football business and marketing. And after that, I, I got a job here still in London at Fuse, which is a, Marketing agency that, among other things, we work in with um, some championship clients. So, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it there. And I joined this company three years ago. And, um, yeah, I, I would say that would be the summary. <laughs> That's
0: brilliant. And, of course, we've spoken over the years that you, you've been very lucky to be born into a Barcelona family when <laughs> you look at the alternative of being born into an Espanol one in Barcelona you <laughs> you're quite lucky I mean <laughs>
1: yeah I mean there's, I, there's
0: I, I guess I, I, than Danes, I suppose
1: yeah no I mean it's <laughs> as I said it's it's something that when I was born I well after when I was conscious of what was going on, uh, I was very happy to, to be part of it. But at the same time, um, I think Barca are very aligned with my values. And what, what I try to represent as a person is what Barca are meant to, to represent as a club as well. It's more than a club. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud about it.
0: That's brilliant. And, of course, you've been lucky enough to attend what is a three, four Champions League finals as a Barcelona fan in the flesh I suppose given everything today um, what's your fondest Barcelona memory or memories even?
1: I would say um, I mean I, I attended the Champions League final in 2006 in, in Paris against Arsenal and I had never seen Barcelona winning the the Champions League before Um so I think being able to attend this game was very impressive, especially because I think we, we had a better squad than, than Arsenal. And nonetheless, uh, we started losing the game. And Arsenal had were playing with 10 men and Barca didn't, couldn't make the equaliser. So I think it was a big relief when Larsson scored the equaliser. And I was so, so happy when Belletti scored the winner with... Very few minutes to go under the rain, so <laughs> happy days.
0: Amazing. And, of course, elaborating upon the Champions League finals, you've attended the Paris final in 2006, Rome in 2009, Wembley in 2011, Berlin in 2015. I suppose, in amongst all of that, you had the Pep Guardiola dream team between 2008 2012. I mean, those years were pretty unparalleled. For a football fan, let alone a Barcelona fan, for you, I mean, what do, what do those years remind you of? What do they represent?
1: Well, I mean, it was very very impressive because I remember uh, on on the second game of with Guardiola in charge, the second La Liga game, we had scored the. I uh, sorry, we had lost the first game at Numancia, and on the second game, we were playing at home against. Racing, I think it was Racing Santander, and that day we we couldn't win, but we played so well that my uncle told me, "Don't worry, I know we haven't won a game yet, despite having played two games already." But I'm very sure we're gonna win the league. At that point, I was very disappointed because, yeah, we had one point out of six, but I I kind of agreed with him because you could see that uh, with, very sh- with a very short period of time, Guardiola had already implemented uh, some methods uh, that the players were following and the-, the passing style was already there. And it was very enjoyable, you know, it was brilliant to, to watch it. And I think <laughs> we could say that uh, Barca were a little bit lucky to, to win the treble on Guardiola's first season because, you know, uh, let's say we all remember the Iniesta's goal at Stamford Bridge in the very last minute. Yeah, I mean, Robert. there were, <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, in the cup, I think it was a, games, a game against Mallorca where Pinto saved the penalty. Um, I mean, you need to have these lucky moments, but overall the, the the football we played that season was, Incredible in 2018, 2019, sorry, 2008, 2009. Because um, I think at that moment uh, the big advantage, the best advantage of, of this team is that the, the opponents still didn't know how Barca were playing. You know, it, it came by surprise. I would say so. Even if the, the level of f- football was not as good as in and for example 2011 where in my opinion we got we reached the the highest point as as a team and i think that the opponents were still didn't didn't know how to stop us and that's what uh what what made bars achieve so much that season you know also the fact that we had so many players with uh, a lot of desire you know, like uh, even Eto, let's say that Guardiola wanted out uh, at the start of the season. He wanted to to prove a point, and he had an an amazing campaign. And it was the, the 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 season Messi really exploded because he didn't get injured in the whole season. So I think, I mean, it was a a very very nice time to be a Barca fan, to be fair.
0: I mean, for me today, that's the best football I've ever witnessed, even live in the flesh. Um, to even see the Ballon d'Or Awards, I believe, in 2010 at the podium, you, you have three La Masia graduates in Chaddy e and, e and Messi. It's something remarkable, really. However, fast forward to the present day, Albert, you know, things aren't, <laughs> they aren't all too well in Newkamp. I mean, look at the season today. There was obviously the short turnaround after the 8 2 loss to Bayern Munich you had the Lionel Messi saga, Ronald Koeman coming in for Kike Setien. It appears to me with resignation mid-season. You look at the current squad, they trail Atleti, eight points after their 5-1 victory against Alaves last night. Atleti with a game in hand, spearheaded by no no one other than Luis Suarez, top-scoring La Liga this season with 16 goals. Um, You have a team that's lost 2-0 in the first leg of the Copa Belgrade semi-final against Sevilla. I mean, from that's pretty uneventful.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been kind of a a roller coaster of a season, to be fair. And I think when the season started, no one was particularly optimistic because, I mean, there had been this announcement by Messi that he wanted to leave and no one really knew what uh, would happen with him. And we also knew that some key players have had to leave for... Uh, financial reasons, um, mainly, like uh, Rakitic or Luis Suarez. That even if, in my opinion, they were not at the peak, at their peak, um, you know, they, they, they were still very important to the team. And yeah, I think Barca fans were were a little bit kind of thinking this is gonna be a a transition period, also because. Uh, no one really know what would happen to to the board. And yeah, now we, we don't even have a president at the moment. So I would say, I know Barca always aimed to, to win everything. But in Barca's fans' mindset, it's like a little bit of, okay, if this season doesn't go that well, but at least we can still, we can already build something uh, for the future. I think mm, it's going to be enough, you know? So, yeah, I would say at that point where, as you mentioned, uh, we are behind Atletico Madrid by a few points in La Liga and then in Copa del Rey, we don't know what's going to happen because we, we lost the, the first leg like, 2-0. Uh, and then in the Champions League, we have a very difficult tie against PSG. Um, to be fair, uh, I would be... Very surprised if if we end up winning any of these trophies, but at the same time, I think Barca are among these kind of clubs that can win games only by by the badge they have on their shirt. So you never know. You can you cannot rule us out of any competition because uh, we have actually had some good games where we have played um, beautiful football, especially offensively so if, if we're inspired I mean anything can happen really.
0: Of course I think one of the main issues I wanted to touch on uh, with yourself Albert was recruitment last summer we've seen of course high earners such as even Rakitic, Luis Suarez and even the likes of Arturo and Nelson Samedo leaving the club however we also saw the likes Mercu Correa and Carlos Perez leaving La Masia graduates who hardly got a chance the club's first team. I mean, what does that mean for the pathway going forward for La Masia graduates? That you see two players worthy, you know, of the La Liga calibre players. You see in Mark Couper, he's done great things at Etafe last two, three seasons. Carlos Perez, although initially struggling at Roma, seems to be finding his feet currently. I mean, what does that say for La Masia graduates coming forward in the future?
1: I think, I mean, the thing is, but, but La Masia is um, so nice that there's always talent coming up. The problem is, uh, are we doing our best to use this talent? Um, in my opinion, maybe now there has been a change, uh, but for, because it was needed from, from a financial perspective, which is a mistake. You know, I think you should trust La Masia and the players coming from the, the reserves team uh, any time, no matter how successful you've been or how much money you're making because these are players that have been uh, playing with the same style and with the same winning mindset uh, for their years in this academy. So I think even if they don't look ready when, when they make their debut or maybe even after five or ten games I would say that if you gave them enough time to prove themselves they will they will respond and that's what have happened what has happened to uh the likes of uh Sergio Busquets initially you know he made a lot of mistakes in in his first season I remember him losing many balls in in key areas of the pitch and he had a lot of criticism you know And, and Guardiola was clever enough to keep uh, keep playing him, uh, and the same with Pedro. If you think about Pedro, I I was I don't think he's a particularly talented player, you know. But, but he he can play in many positions in attack. He's fast, and he always gives 100%. And more importantly, uh, he had kind of this uh, accuracy in front of the net, you know. So I think if, and if you, again, if you see Pedro's first games with Barca, I wouldn't say he was anything special, but it's the, the continuity he was given that allowed him to shine. And even Sergio Roberto, which is probably the, the, the last uh, Barca Academy player that has been there for playing more or less regularly for, for a, few, a few years. Um, Sergi Roberto had to spend many, many, games uh, on the on the stands not, not even being on, on the squad for, for for the game and he had to spend a lot of games on the bench as well uh, and he would maybe play one day as a midfielder and the next day as a winger and the next day as a as a right back as he has been playing more more regularly uh, recently so I think it's a matter of time that we, these players will shine, so they they deserve a chance. And now, uh, w- with Kuman, I think even Ricky Poots, uh, Kuman was not trusting Ricky Poots that much. And now, because uh, the likes of Alanya are on loan, and because of some injuries like Coutinho's injury, he's being given more more playing time, and he's showing that, despite maybe not being very very consistent, he. He has the enough enough quality to, to be on that squad, you know? And that's why instead of spending so much money on the likes of Continuo, for example, or, or even the, the Mele, I mean, even if he's playing quite well recently. Uh, I think you should trust your academy players because you already have them. And they are willing to, to give it all because it's their dream to play for, for the first team. And yeah, I mean if if they if after giving them a chance, they still don't perform you can always uh sell them later but at least give them a chance uh, uh, to the ones that um, more or less you can see that would have the the right skills you know
0: of course i just think of course we spoke about this you know privately before uh, you have the mentor at barcelona the and club more than a club And I think two firm principles which Barcelona is built upon its foundation is the first being La Masia, the academy, making sure there's a pathway there that um, facilitates the progression of players right through from La Masia into the first team and second of all being fan-owned, both of which I think right now are currently, you know, they're at trouble, they're at odds with the realities of this post-COVID world in football with the European Super League, so on and so forth. But, of course, getting back to the present day, uh, um, we spoke earlier on, we said, Barcelona's season's been pretty up and down with Koeman. Um, You know, at the low point of the season, perhaps, was the 3-0 defeat at Honte Aventus, last matchday of the Champions League group stage. Since then, Barcelona have gone on, according to my stats, to win 14 of their last 18 games. Albeit, they've lost the Spanish Super Cup, final in between to Bilbao, but only Real Batiste... In the underlying statistics, have had a higher expected goals than Barcelona in any of those eight in games. So there is cause for hope. Of course, you've seen Kuman, and um, you're more aware than I am. He's changed formation recently from 4 3 3 back to 4 2 3 1. We've seen Frankie Dion recover some of his Ajax uh, form from the 2018 29 season, playing from that deeper midfield position, which has also freed up the likes of Antoine Griezmann and Usman Dembele, as you said yourself and we've seen the young Petri who's come in and he's not quite the player, linking up with Jordi Alba and Lionel Messi.
1: Yeah, no, as you mentioned, I think the Petri has surprised everyone because he, he came out of nowhere and despite him being a very big Barca fan, uh, he, no one really knew anything about him. And he, he, he has been playing like a, a very experienced player and it's difficult to to look at him and not think about Iniesta, for example. And, um, you know, I think uh, Kuman was very stubborn at the beginning of the season because he would stick to his 4 2 3 1 formation. And as you said, more, more recently he, he changed formation and is playing with 4 3 3 more regularly. Uh, maybe also because of the of the players he, he has now, you know, maybe. Uh, he thought that with Coutinho, it was easier to to have another formation. But the reality is that we were very unbalanced on the pitch when it comes to doing the the transition between attacking and defending. And this information has has allowed uh, players like the, the young to shine. And yeah, I think little by little he, he's finding the Kuman is finding the the right approach to, 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 this team, you know? And that's why I think despite maybe having had a, a slow start or, uh, having been a season where we didn't, we don't really have the squad that you would expect from Barcelona Um, we still have the, the chance to, to fight for, for, for anything. We can win any team, you know? And I think that the big mistake in our season was, uh, as, as you mentioned as well, the losing against Juventus at home was, was unacceptable because only with a draw we would have been the, the first of the groups and our record at Camp Nou in the Champions League was incredible. And we allowed, I think even with a 1-0 defeat, we would still have been the, the first of the group and we lost dramatically against them. And that's why actually we're playing PSG and not a, an easier club, probably. You know, I, I know that they will say in the Champions League there's no easy team to play, but no one wanted to play against PSG in the round of 16. You know, it, it's fine if you find them in the quarterfinals because it's a peer draw and not a, it doesn't depend on what you did in the past. But yeah, it was in Buster's hand to to be the first of the group, and we. We didn't perform that day, and it's a shame because for the rest of the games in in the group stage, we we did quite well, including um, winning at Juventus Stadium, which is uh, was particularly, I would say, challenging.
0: Brilliant, and I I think going forward this week the PSG clash brings its own opportunities. Look at PSG this season, I mean. They've had that Champions League final defeat hangover with Tuchel leaving, Pochettino coming in. There's still that kind of sense of transition at the club. Um, we're looking at them; they've dropped down to second and third in recent weeks, falling behind the likes of Lille and Leon League um, on Neymar's injury, he'll miss both legs now, I believe, against Barcelona. So, I mean, how do you see this clash panning out? Yeah, to be fair, I don't
1: really know what to expect because uh, I haven't been following uh, PSG that much. I don't really watch uh, League on. But um, I think, I, I, I think we need to be aware that the, that the game is uh, of 180 minutes, you know, because when last time we played them that the famous comeback at Camp Nou that we scored six against them to make it 6-1 and overcome the 4-0 defeat of, of the first game. I think th- the reason why we got to this point was that we were thinking uh, during the, the first leg, OK, let's try to score a goal here. And then we were moving forward too quickly, and that's why we conceded four goals. Uh, because we were not thinking that the game was actually 180 minutes. No, If we had been more patient and think, OK, instead of... Trying so desperately to score a goal. Let's remain calm. Think that okay, th- things are not going well today. Uh, we have the chance to to come back on, on the second leg, and I think it's uh, the way we should approach it. You know, if if things are not going well, uh, remain calm because it's it's a there's, there will still be a lot of minutes to 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 score to 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 come back. You know. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure if we should be confident because, you know, at the end of the day, PSG were the finalists uh, last season in the Champions League and they have a, a tremendous squad, you know, the, the, even if Neymar cannot play, they have so many big names that, mm, especially with, with, with our defence, that uh, we have been playing the, the likes of Umtiti, uh, even Junior, Mingetha. I'm not saying they are bad players, but they are obviously uh, maybe not the ones that you would expect to, to be playing in a, in a game like that at the start of the season. So if you think about uh, what Mbappé could do to them, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. But at the same time, as I was saying earlier, that the, from an attacking point, um, Barca have been finding the right way forward and I think if we manage to to score a couple of goals and I think we'll be we'll be more than fine you know and Messi is is in the right form in the right shape I think he's despite his low start he is also uh, has been scoring quite a lot of goals recently so with him on the pitch anything is possible
0: of course sure And then switching things, Albert, from on-the-pitch matters to off-the-pitch matters. Of course, no one can talk about Barcelona at the moment without mentioning uh, the upcoming presidential election in early March. On one hand, you have Victor Font, who very much seems to be the fans' ticket at the moment. And then on the other hand, you have Juan Laporta, who seems to be the old flame who worked in the the previous incumbency, worked with the likes of Ferran Soriano, now the CEO of City Football Group, Martin Glay, amongst he's very much Johan Christ's choice back in 2002. And um, if I may ask, if it's not too much of a personal question, Albert, where will your vote be going on March the 14th?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, I won't be able to, to vote because I'm in London, I'm not not planning to, to travel to Barcelona for, for the elections. And despite having opened the, the voting to everyone, uh from a, via post uh, this is only available if you live in Catalonia or in Spain or in Andorra. So I, I won't have a, the chance to vote. And nonetheless, I think uh, these two candidates are capable to, to, to move the, the club forward and bring it back to, to the glory days. And I think they are, they are representing kind of different models, if you want, because I would say Laporta represents more of a, the focus is more on the, on the president who has all the leadership and has all the focus. And then with Victor Fon, um I think he, he has more of a shared leadership and has been recruiting some people from, from the sporting industry that are uh, have been liaising with uh, top companies and uh, managing companies with, with with a high turnover. So I think Laporte already proved in the past that uh, he can do it. And he, he took charge of the club in, in 2003 uh, when the situation was gonna say very similar because we were not in the middle of a pandemic, but uh, we were after the Joan Gaspard years uh, where there were terrible. I think we didn't win any trophy. So yeah, he, he was um, full of passion and desire and all the board were up for it. And I think um, the situation is quite similar again. And in the sense that uh, we're not performing on the pitch as we're meant to uh, financially, we're struggling and we need to, to reposition the club to, to where we want it or where the fans want it. and That's why I think Laporta could be a good choice because he, he already proved it. And then Victor Font uh, from what I've seen uh, he's, he's a, a very clever guy. He His slogan is kind of yes to the future because he's always kind of trying to to implement these new technologies, including the electronic vote, which actually would have allowed me to to vote from London. So it would have been nice in that sense. Um, And he has been working on on this project for a very, very long time. And and he has been surrounding himself by, by very... By a big amount of, of talented people. So I think no matter who wins, uh, we're gonna get uh, on the right track. And I think I would say there's a third candidate that no one really mentions because he, he, got, he, he doesn't, he's not so powerful from a media standpoint and, and he got less signatures to be able to, to present himself as a, as a candidate. Uh, which is Tony Fletcher. And I think, in my opinion, that, mm, he's probably the, the weakest uh, candidate. So, and I don't give him any chance uh, on the elections to affair So I think um, Laporta is gonna win it because he people already know him and we're in a bad situation. And uh, we have this expression of uh, that says, it's better to go for someone uh, that is bad, but you know well, that in, instead of trying to have someone that you don't really know, and might do well, no? So mm-hmm. I think Catalan people w- will stand by by this uh, kind of motto um, and La will be the winner. But if if it was um, Victor Font, I would be okay with it as well, because I think he's, he's working very hard, very hard. Uh, and he knows what, he has a very clear plan of how
0: to... Of course. And I suppose the number one thing on any president, new <laughs> president's uh, to-do list of Ursula and Albert will be to address the perilous financial situation at the club. Now, I suppose you would know a lot more than myself or any, anyone listening as to how this came to be. But I just cannot fathom how in 2019, Barcelona becomes the first sporting franchise in the history of sport to make over 1 billion US dollars in the calendar year. How now only two years later, COVID aside, you end up with one, a, a debt of 1.1 billion euros, 760 million of that, which is short term, and I believe here, 260 million euros of that to be repaid by June. I just don't understand that whatsoever.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous if you think about it. And it shows that uh, despite the good effort that the previous board did in, in um, generating a lot of revenue, it was a little bit pointless from a um, financial standpoint, you know, because all this money was going uh, straight to the players. And I think probably many, many players were overpaid, not only on the wages, but also. The, the transfer fees, I mean, were were ridiculous. As I, as I mentioned earlier, Dembele and Coutinho. I think we paid over 120 million for each of them. So, as I said, when you have players in your reserves team that can perform, I'm not going to say at the same level, but uh, if if you give if you gave them some continuity, would we'll be able to to become successful at the club there's no point in spending so much money on anyone because maybe the, the day after they will be injured you know so they could spend a year on the sidelines what's what's the point on, on spending so much on, on a single player even with Griezmann who, who has been scoring quite regularly recently I think there was no point in spending so much money in a, in a player like him so that, that was the big mistake from the, the previous board, you know, that they, even if they were generating lot of income uh the, the player salaries and, and the transfer fees were so high that uh, it was unsustainable. And when you're making so much money and only generating uh, two million euros of benefits, that it's what happened before COVID, I believe. And it's already showing you that this is not sustainable at all. You know, if you're the club that is making more money ever you should kind of save some of it you know or, or generate a bigger margin especially when you are uh, your plan is to rebuild the stadium and you don't really have you haven't still sourced the right sponsor uh, for the naming, naming rights so yeah i mean covid was uh, even you can say call it unlucky if you want but even before that you could tell that the the club was not being managed in the right way and i i made a lot of criticism about it you know even if uh, at that point we we're probably still uh, winning la liga i was i was saying that this could not be this could not be the case you know it, it didn't make sense for me how the money was spent and um, um, sorry I, I don't know gone. if you wanted me to connect this with uh, messi's departure
0: <laughs> well all i was going to say albert was what do you make then given just what in light of what you just said about the previous inc- incumbent jose maria Bartomeu, his comments about the barcelona leadership group upon his resignation in october he believed these six ex- players had all the power within the club that they were essentially victims of their own success, and he didn't name the man himself, but Lionel Messi. That his very success at the club has inflated the basic salary for Barcelona player to unsustainable levels. I mean, where do you sit on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the problem is, these these players have been very successful, so they kind of deserved uh, to continue at the club. And if you think about Luis Suarez, I mean, it's very hard to find. Uh, a striker that has been so successful uh, and has scored so many goals with with the Barca shirt Um, but at the same time we had to bear in mind that uh, he he was Messi's closest friend and that he um, had been scoring a lot of goals for many seasons and um, he he was getting old you know that, that was a problem his age I would say and when you compare how much he was making and how much was he going to give back to the club in the upcoming seasons, I think it was the, the right decision to, to let him go, especially considering how, how the club was operating financially. And yeah, I mean, people were very concerned about this this exchange between uh, Artur and Pjanic and because we were getting an older player and um, but I guess that's what the club needed financially uh, at this point point. and uh, Artur was, was not maybe playing as well as people would have expected so yeah I think there were many salaries that were maybe too much and uh, players were very, getting very comfortable and they had as you mentioned uh, maybe too much power and uh, the coaches were kind of okay with it i think if you look at what happened to kike setien uh i think kike setien couldn't play couldn't put in place the, the Barça style he was trying to implement originally because he saw that the the players had too much power you know so i think one way of, of kind of allowing the, the coach to be more powerful was to to get rid of, of some of the, this old guard and um, bring some fresh fresh air uh, which is the, the players from the academy At the same time Kuman I would say he's more of a more demanding and more uh, stubborn with his own ideas and he would he has also, Despite being okay with uh, managing the players, he has more more of a personality, a stronger personality, to to implement his, his own ideas and don't let uh, don't let him be influenced influenced by by what the other players might by what the players might think or by what the press might say. So I think it's it's very important to to have someone like
0: him in, a, in this transitional era. I think what you just spoke about there, Rory Smith the New York Times, echoed in his long form piece on Barcelona's finances, just now on Saturday, I believe he penned the piece, but also just the mismanagement from Bartomeu at a micro level in terms of being held to ransom by the likes of Borussia Dortmund and Liverpool when signing the likes of Eastman and Bele, Philippe Coutinho. I mean, they had not. the club really did have no leverage after selling Neymar for so much to PSG that time. In addition, I mean, I don't know if you've heard of this, Albert, but apparently there's an annual 5 million euro payment to Atletico Madrid for first, refu- for first refusal of their players even. Is that something that you're aware of?
1: Are you, are you 5, 5 million again. Or...
0: Say again, please. 5 million euros. An annual payment to Electrical Madrid for first refusal of any of their assignments. That's an I mean, that, that's,
1: that's the kind of clauses that, yeah, I, I I read something like that. But and um, yeah, you don't even think about it because at the end of the day, the funds don't don't have so much access to to the the finances, and you don't see this five million going somewhere else every year but yeah it's ridiculous that that closes like this one were signed you know and and i, I think um barca approached griezmann uh kind of unlawfully uh, and we had to pay for it as well so it's the, the previous board made uh a series of decisions that were against the club's interest and very kind of for the short term, uh, instead of looking at the long term, which is what you should do when you are on on the bus board, you know, because even if you are going to resign uh, next month, you should manage the club as you're going to be there forever, or, or at least thinking that the person coming after you should, should find the club in a, decent position. Also because these people that are in the board are, are Barca fans themselves. You have to be a member of the club to be on the Barca board. So it's surprising that um, they, they got to, to, the, to this situation really. you know, it's, it's ridiculous.
0: Now let's address the elephant in the room. Lionel Messi, your favorite topic. What's going to happen? I believe we had a small bit of a, an argument recently about this. I'm of the volition that surely it's simple. He leaves Barcelona, Barcelona recoup, let's say, conservatively, 100 million euros of a transfer fee They save 150 euros. 150 million euros in wages gives the club boost. The club's coffers by, let's say, a quarter of a billion euros. However, I think you have a different slant on that. I
1: think, I mean, Messi is worth everything. You know, if you think about it, uh it's not only the amount of, of goals he scores it's not only the amount of assists he he delivers he i don't know how, how to put it but he he came from the academy so he didn't really cost the club anything and he has been performing so well for so many years i mean i've seen donaldinho play and If if you look at the the quality itself, you can even argue that mm, he was very close to to what Messi achieved. But Ronaldinho would only do it for three seasons, maybe. Messi has been doing it since the age of 20. I mean, he he made his debut much earlier than that, but he has been mm, performing consistently since then. And everything we have achieved as a club in in the last decade is thanks to him. And I think all the brands that are club sponsors or uh, kit manufacturers like Nike, Rakuten, these people have partnered with Barca only, I mean, they have they might have partnered for, with Barca for other reasons, but the reason why they are putting so much money into it, it's because they kind of shared their image to Messi, you know, Messi is an Adidas player. Nike uh, needed a way to to, to associate themselves to to Messi. And they thought that uh, while they are the the Barca kit manufacturer, they will be able to associate their brand to Messi. And I think the the rest of brands that that have been connected to Barca over the last few years, all they wanted really was to, to be able to connect their brand to to this profile, you know. So I think the the day he leaves, uh, all these brands will go away, or at least they will try to renegotiate their contracts with Barça and and pay much less than they are currently paying, because it's like when Cristiano Ronaldo left Real Madrid. I think Real Madrid has been missing a star play. You know they still have amazing players, but they don't have this player that really makes the difference in every game. You know, so and having this for a brand is fundamental. And Barca wouldn't have this this player if if Messi left. That is the potential that let's say Pedri or Ansu Fati, in five years' time, they become that. Player of, or they have that role within the team, but I think if Messi leaves, we we would miss someone like him, and the problem is we couldn't find someone to this level elsewhere in the world, because uh, first of all because it doesn't exist, and second of all because we don't have the money to buy anyone really. So I think we have to try our best to to keep. Messi in the club, no matter what, um, because even if he's very old, he, he's what what makes the the club uh, remain relevant to, uh, internationally. And um, yeah, I think Raman Madrid has uh, signed Hazard after Ronaldo left, thinking it would be the 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 star they were looking for. And look at what happened to him. So i think it's it's very very hard to, to rely on some someone that might perform well but might not so just focus on what you have uh, try to play messi for as long as his body allows you to play him and yeah and then try, try to to create someone from the, try to Give chances to the people from the academy, so at some point they can reach—not going to say his level, but a very similar level to his. You know, because Messi there will only be one, but Xavi or Iniesta, in my opinion, there can be more like them. So let's try to bring the the futures, uh, the future Xavi inestas to to the first squad. You know.
0: And I suppose, just to close up on Albert, um, we've seen obviously the proliferation of private equity firms, which I know very much you're intrigued about, given your role within the commercial side of football. We've seen a proliferation of private equity firms investing in the English Premier League, in Belgium, in France, in Syria recently. Now, just coupled with football post-COVID, obviously missing out on gate receipts, Barcelona, for example, crippled. Not only by performances on the pitch, but the lack of financials off it. As regards the big gap in hole, you have the Garden football tours and so on and so forth. Is there any chance that one day we see Barcelona's fan ownership model in jeopardy? Is it sustainable? We've heard rumors recently about Goldman Sachs um, giving the club 240, 240 million US dollars, a leave to that effect. Um, by selling a stake in versus non-sporting assets, including a content creating and merchandising side, is that something which you ever foresee happening
1: within the new camp? In, in football, you never know because everything changes so quickly. And yeah, but there are. I think money always finds the the way in. You know, uh, even at Barca, uh, we were a club that. Um, didn't have a a logo on our shirt Uh, and then uh, this changed uh, quite recently so and i think for for a money is unfortunately becoming more important than values Uh, but i think as a barca fan if you think about why do i support barca it's because it's a club that has, as I mentioned at the beginning, some values that I try to represent as a person. So the moment these values are gone, why do you keep being a Barca fan? You know? There is this connection between uh, Barcelona and Catalunya. There is this connection with between Barcelona and an artistic style of play. Uh, so why why would I support a a club that is not owned by the fans? You know, it's in the sense that um, we are the ones making the decisions. Why would we allow someone else to make them instead of us? You know, and I think perform or um, on-the-pitch performance is somehow the most important thing to, to many people. But in my opinion, I would rather see Barca playing in the second division with no money at all and having a club that represents the, the values they are meant to represent instead of uh, being winning the Champions League every season but having the money from, uh, let's say, uh, um, as we had from Qatar, but being all, like like PRC, you know? Uh, I think this this... Kind of types of ownership are, are against what, what the what the club represents. So, yeah, uh, in my opinion, the the current ownership model is what makes us unique. You no, know, it, it, it's the, the we are one one of the very few clubs that can choose our own president uh, and even. Organize an impeachment against them if we wanted to. We can take part actively in in many of the decisions of the club, even if it's just annually. And I think it's what what we should be aiming for as, as fans, you know, that to have as much power within the club as possible and not let anyone from outside that despite having a lot of million they have no knowledge about what this club represents. And we have seen, we have many examples in football of clubs going completely, disappearing even, uh, just because they were run by people that not only they had no idea about football or or about sport, and all all they cared about was the, the business. And that's not what is going to, that's not what you want when you are a fan, you know?
0: But, anyways, I believe that's a wrap now, Albert. Um, as always, it's a pleasure speaking with yourself. Um, personally, I know that you do tremendous work with fan engagement and commercial and partnership activations within football. Now, if people wanted to reach out to you, Albert, what's the best social media platform to contact you on?
1: Yeah, I think uh, maybe LinkedIn. I'm not um, particularly active there when it comes to posting, but. I'm always, uh, I always reply to people that message me. So if they look for Albert Bosk on, on the search bar and maybe at Fuse, which is the, the company I work for at the moment, uh, I'm sure they will find me. So I, I encourage everyone to, to do it.
0: Likewise, likewise for me too. Albert, an absolute pleasure. I'll link those details in the show notes below. and. Um, Thank you for joining. Thank you for being guest one on episode one. Look forward to speaking. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a Great. pleasure.
1: Thank you very much, Conor. Take
0: care. Take care. Bye Bye. Now. Bye.